There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Yeah, that's a that's huh. a that's a thing I get asked a lot because people were like, "Oh, Mark, Tim, and Jaime, but who's the C?" I'm like, "Well, it's actually <laughs> more than just code if you look at the uh, the other okay. initials." But it, it would be it would be better if we did have a, a C. Or it's, it could be generic. It's Mark, Tim, Jaime, and co-host or some host. It should be some host, right? Get it? No, some host. Just, yeah, just five point one. Some host. someone who complies to the host protocol. It's combine. Combine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay, let's. Let's settle this argument. I think it's combine, right? And I've been I'm saying sure combine, but I've heard other people I'm say sure. combine, so I, I don't yeah, know. I, combine is a harvester, like, you know, forest, uh, uh, farm equipment. Yeah. Don't you guys have combines in the States? Yeah, yeah. We do. But I when you know. say combine, I think of, like, the NFL combine, where all of the you know, people coming out of college who want to go into the draft, they go and they do physical tests, right? How fast can you run? How much weight can you bench press? That sort of thing. But well, I, Why is that not combine? So I don't know why they pronounce it as combine, other than perhaps the farm implement that you, you know, you know it's yeah. kind of farm, you know, farm system. It's a very common term in, in sports. But to be honest, I, I don't know, like, I haven't gotten around to watching the specific sessions, but I really don't remember how... Pretty Apple sure it was combined. Pronounced. I was in those sessions. Like, I, I, I personally it. prefer combine. Like, oh, it combines, you know, combines your data and not combine, like, harvesting. Yeah, so, I, think I, yeah. I think I would have noticed if they were calling it combine. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of people are calling it combine. Yeah. Like, you know, so there's, there's a big, there's arguments and debates on on, uh, on Twitter, there's a, there actually was a poll where somebody had put, you know, capital C O M bind or capital or lowercase C O M, you know, B I N E uppercase, right? I don't know. It's tabs versus spaces all over again. Here we go. Mm, yeah. Java, Java. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's let's uh, let's roll this uh, let's roll this podcast, shall we? Um... <laughs>
So hey everybody, welcome to episode 252 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we also have Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. All righty then. My grand return after two episodes away, but it's only, <laughs> only one week. So if you got confused in your favorite podcatcher, um, we had a two for one last week. So yeah. uh, listen to both. You, you didn't accidentally you know, get an extra one downloaded. That one is extra content for your listening pleasure yeah so so this is a good question so this is my ask mtjc to the community i just i'm curious about this so because i published two episodes on the same day did people miss the live from live from the podcast studio episode because they just went to the next episode like my podcatcher will download both shows right but i think i've only got it set to keep one or two shows maximum right so like the pvr rule you know so actually that's not true because i i see because I'm, I'm i'm actually behind on my mtjc listening like the final 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 one right so what do you think that's a good question i i use overcast and i keep it i think at like five episodes for okay for maximum you know queue of stuff that i have not listened to so i i saw both i listened to both i don't know what happens for other things like castro pocket cast and of course the apple podcast native app right right huh. yeah, several, yeah several people did mention to me that they listened to the wwc episode the episode but, yeah. I, but yeah. I didn't think to ask which which one <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, that, that'll be the the uh, that'll be the Easter egg, I guess, because yeah. the second was technically technically was the Easter egg. I mean, mm. I could have saved it for a rainy day or whatever, right? But uh, yeah, no, I thought I thought it went. I thought it turned out pretty good. I mean, um, yeah, I, like I said, I had bought that Rode mic and I just plugged it into my iPhone. And you know, when I got talking to people, I sort of said, hey, would you mind like if I you know record this conversation? And they said sure, and then I just rolled with it, right? So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. went well. You're you're a people person, Tim. I don't think I could have done that. So kudos to you for being <laughs> able to. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, I. I I had an agenda to be honest with you because I, I didn't know if I could get any time in the studio, right? So mm. it was it was my backup plan, but it turned out being a, to be a pretty good episode, and it, it's going to be repurposed in, in other ways. We'll talk about later. Alrighty, so let's uh, let's roll with this show. So do we have an ask MTJC, honey? The one that I saw was from Quentin Price, who asks, "How do you feel about big names like Twitter dropping iOS 10 support? Don't you think they have the resources to support it?" You know, that's a good question. So we we often have this debate at work, and you probably too too. Honey, because you know mm-hmm. when we we both work in the banking financial industry, and you know we can't really um, we can't really say specifically what um, we can't dictate to our, our clients what what they'll use. I do know on that other platform, there's lots of support for older. I'm not even going to mention you know like lots of support, but on the iOS side, you know the there's like an 80 percent adoption rate at least uh, for the latest operating system. So like you know in I can safe in saying that around that many people are on iOS 12 currently, and that's I think it's pretty common for most apps. I think a lot of iOS users um, run the latest version. So you do have to support, you know, depending on your scale, if you've got, you know, 100 customers, it's not really going to matter. But if you have, you know, I, I imagine Twitter's got millions upon millions of users, right? So if you do the math, this, uh, Quentin, you're right, is that in that, you know, even if it's like a small percentage, it's still, you know, I don't know, 500,000 users, you know, could still be on iOS 10. But I think it's, I think it's um, more common that they wouldn't um, need to support support older OSs that far back, right? That's like what we call N, N plus 2, right? What do you think, Hami? Or N minus 2? 
<laughs> it's math. I'm, I'm going to lead this by saying I'm going to apologize for sounding completely hypocritical in a future part of this episode. So spoilers are at some point when we talk about Swift UI. Um, I can see some of the discrepancy. You, you might look at somebody like a Facebook and say, hey, look, like, mm-hmm. I don't know what they support, but they're pretty pretty well known for supporting pretty far back on there. Do they? Yeah. Uh, I'd have to check to see precisely, but they're they're one of the ones who, who hangs around in the we're, we're getting every user possible uh, until, you know, business reality sort of forces us along sort of thing. But that's because, and I, I just looked this up, uh, Facebook in Q1 said that it had uh, 2.4 billion with a B monthly active mm. users, MAU. Mm-hmm. In contrast, Twitter, you know, it, certainly no slouch. I think you'd, you'd want this level of success. Twitter has, uh, oh, I lost the link, uh, 321 million with an M monthly active users. Say that again? 321 million monthly active users. Who's that? Twitter? That's Twitter. So there's a significant wow. size difference there. And I mean, you, on the one hand, to, to Quentin's point, you could say, well, you know, Twitter's got like a ton of engineers and surely they can they can handle this. And uh, I'm sure they could if they felt like that made business sense. But I think maybe they said, you know what, it, at, at ours, even at our scale, it may not make sense given that uh, we can do X, Y, and Z if we move the base operating system version up. And that's a, mm-hmm. that's definitely a challenge, I think, for, for any shop that does iOS development. If you're an indie developer out there, you have more leeway in general because it's like a handful or maybe even just you yourself deciding when to move. But it's it's definitely not like there's a you know, law or regulation or uh, a specific metric. You can say, oh, a company of this size and this category will will make these particular decisions. Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's completely a business decision. And and I, you know, I, I do the math every year when a new version comes out. And and, and I usually do the, the two two versions back support. Uh, in this particular case with, with iOS 10, I mean, so what, what devices do you lose? Well, so iOS 10 was when we had the 32 to 64 bit changeover, right? So no, that may be an issue. Yeah. Yeah. So it's on, the only devices, I believe, if I remember correctly, that couldn't upgrade to iOS 11 were devices that were 32 bit or below, uh, because iOS 11 was the first purely 64 bit. So I think that means iPhone 5 and earlier. And the previous generation of iPod. And and old iPods. Yeah. And old iPads. And I mean, you just got to be realistic. It's, you know, how many of those devices are really still out there in use? I mean, sure, there's a few and there's there's some people who are stuck on those devices and and for whatever reason can't move forward. But the numbers aren't that high. I mean, if you look at the the analytics, you know, it it would be down to after two years, it would be down to just a couple of percent of users, of total users out there. And and who knows, you know, I'm sure companies like Twitter have very strong analytics that tells tells them exactly what percentage of their active users are on the old OS. And, and maybe, you know, if the general numbers are a few percent, you know, that's that's everyone in the world using the, the old OS, whatever, you know, whatever apps they're using, if, if any, they might just be using Safari or email. Uh, and, and so if, if Twitter knows that, you know, 1% of their users or less than 1% of the users are on the old OS, then yeah, it probably does make a lot of sense for them to turn it off. So I have a couple of perspectives on this. One is I still have an iPhone 3GS that I use to check the weather and stuff like that too, right? Mm. And Facebook and Twitter still run on it, and that's iOS 6. So I can't go and get a new version from the App Store, but the fact that I still have these versions on my phone. Slack stopped working about a year ago. LinkedIn stopped working about six months ago. The weather, the 
Apple weather app just stopped working uh, about two months ago because the Yahoo feed that was feeding the weather mm-hmm. isn't isn't there anymore. So I just got a blank screen now. So I used you know I just go to Google and and, and look up weather that way. But um, yeah, but my Twitter still works. I can still like the if you ever see me tweeting from MTJC at two o'clock in the morning, it's probably coming from that iPhone 3GS. In fact, I, maybe I should add that. And and it's funny because I still I only have the what was it, the old 140 characters one that you know in the old tw- old tweet size right because <laughs> yeah. the client is is clamping it down yeah yeah, yeah. so so if I, somebody has a tweet that's longer than 140 characters i click on it and it goes to goes to safari and opens the, w- the web client right hmm. but yeah so i'm still able to use twitter even though it's on an older device i just wouldn't be able to pull a new version from the app store yeah that's right? actually a really good point in that the the old version of the app that you have installed on there probably will still work or you know yeah forever or, or, till, well till they change the api until right? they change the api sure right yeah right yeah. and then the other the other perspective i have is so the strombo app i added some stickers into the strombo app about a year and a half ago and uh, a user contacted me and said hey i'm still using i guess it was a fifth generation um ipod like, i didn't even think about the ipod to be honest at the time well you know you're listening to a music show why wouldn't you use an ipod and uh yeah so he said because i had upgraded it to 10 he couldn't listen to it on his on his device because he could only it only could go up to ios 9 i guess right so i actually went back in and even though i have stickers in there i dropped the lowest version down to nine so people who have 10 11 and 12 can enjoy the stickers people on ios 9 can still enjoy the show but they can't get the stickers obviously right but yeah there's there's i mean in that case i mean like it's a handful of users it's not like millions of users in that case but you know you know in in, when you have a small app and and you have few users each user is precious but when you have like what is it how many million did you say i i think i said 321 that's a lot of millions you know (laughs) that's a lot of millions yeah more millions than i care to think about um yeah so i mean that's that's my perspective on it i mean i guess it depends on the developer depends on what your your agenda is and and like i said the older versions still still work right so mm-hmm. unless like my ipad yeah, my ipad pro today i just mentioned before the show that i just finished installing the ipad os on it i don't, I don't know if it's version 13 or version one but I, should, I guess i could check but um uh, some of my old apps that i had on here from you know bygone days are now gone because they're there and they're, they're like the little Clyde icon on them and if i click on them they're no longer available for download on the store so i can't unless i restore them from backup or something um i can't get them back on on the device right so like i said unless you restore your device you won't be able to go back and, and re-pull pull those things back from the app store so I, I don't think there's anything wrong with with going like dropping support a couple of versions back right like we're looking we're on the, we're on the, the doorstep of ios 13 as well right you know right there's got to be it's like the spoiler rose is it like two years or three years you know yeah by the way there is another ask mtjc there Jaime. You want to take that one? I could. So, uh, and this is sort of follow up. Um, as you may know, may know, I played with uh, James Dempsey in the Breakpoint. So when I was at WWC two, I had to pack my ukulele and played a couple of songs there at the finale. Lots of fun. Met lots of uh, made lots of people in IRL, as as Greg would say. Uh, one of the people I met in real life is Dave Verver. And so this is sort of a real time follow up. I asked him how to pronounce his name and what the, what the genesis of it. Oh, I mentioned it last week, didn't I? That it's actually Dutch. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is for you, Jaime, that I was doing this this follow up. So um, yeah, he's a great guy, super friendly, and uh, like that. And he, of course, he recognized. He remembered. I said I met you met Jaime Lopez, dev with the hair in uh, London, I believe, right? And uh, he remembered you. So there you go. Yeah, it wasn't quite London, and I, and I do get that a lot. I was in the UK, but it was in <laughs> Chester, oh, also Chester, not Manchester, right. because that's very confusing to me. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm I'm not surprised you remember Tim. I have a face that terrorizes small children. It's the so. hair that people can't. Remember. <laughs> it's one you even 
if you try, therapy will not remove and it from your And it's the eyes. blue steel, right? I'm sorry, was that? The blue steel as well, right? <laughs> I don't always do the blue steel, but yeah, you know, <laughs> people remember that too. <laughs> yeah, remember my name. My name is, what was the line from um, Princess Bride? Don't you remember that uh, character? Montoya with the sword? Yeah, but which, oh, my name is Inigo Montoya. Yes. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Prepare to die. I think. Yes. I think it's only three lines. Yes, hope. something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, so in the follow-up here, I have a bit of follow-up here. Uh, we've talked about uh, Federico Vitici um, in the past, being a, being a, and last, I think, two weeks ago. No, two, sorry, a week ago, but sorry, two weeks ago and three episodes ago. I, I messed myself up. Um, the uh, it, We talked about his his uh, his piece about, you know, being a sole uh, iPad user, like that's his main device. And uh, so it was an interesting tweet he put here. By the way, I did, I did meet him and have a selfie with him. He was too busy to, to, to do a few minutes with me. But anyway, um, yeah, he's got this uh, this iPad Pro, and he's actually got a mouse connected to a Logitech MX Master 2S mouse, which I got to, I'd love to see how he does, he, does he navigate on the screen with it? But yeah, as we all know, he's, and he's using the Logitech uh, keyboard for, for keying in his information, because he lives solely on an iPad, I believe, right? For 99% of his work. Yeah, he's definitely kinda... pushed the limits with what you can do with multitasking yeah. and um, shortcuts and all sorts of stuff that he uses to continue to have the iPad, you know, very sort of straightforward, simple experience and, you know, instant on and, and great battery yeah. life. Um, arguably, he could be making his life easier with a MacBook Pro, but, um, you know, he's finding a way. And I didn't even know that this Logitech mouse existed and would work with the iPad. So I didn't know you could use pointing devices on, on iOS devices, but I guess it makes sense, right? You can see here in the screenshot, he's got uh, he's got the five buttons program to do different things, right? Screenshots, app switcher, home, single tap. Yeah, I guess he, he can navigate around on the other. I have a, a wireless mouse here. I should try and hook it up. See what, what happens. And of course, he's got, in the screenshot. He's got uh, iPad uh, iPad OS installed on it, so because you can see the the home page widgets on the left hand side of the screen. Oh yeah, there's like a circle there. I guess that must be his uh, his uh, cursor. I guess if we call it that. That's cool. Yeah, I, I I guess it it's kind of like the simulator. It moves a little finger around, mm. and you know that that can make it easier. So you're not um, having to <laughs> what is it the gorilla arm thing if you're using that thing all day and, and poking and prodding at the screen. So that, that definitely makes sense. Um, I, actually, something you, you asked about, about the iPad OS, I have not seen, uh, I barely scratched the surface of, this, of the sessions, but I got the impression that iPad OS, for the most part, isn't anything different today as of, you know, iOS 13, but that it was a rebrand that sets the stage for iPad to move forward without necessarily having to consider how does this feature work on iPhone. And I think we will see yeah. the two diverge in the future, just like tvOS shares the same guts as iOS for the most part, but it's very radically different. And, and of course, watchOS is also radically different. But isn't the spawning of multiple windows, isn't that an iPad-only feature? I believe it like, is. Yeah. They, yeah. they now have this, uh, uh, what's it called, scene delegate, right? Which which you which you use to launch, you launch extra copies of scene delegate, which like you have an app delegate, you have scene delegate, and you know, giving away some of the SwiftUI stuff. But um, I think with that, you can then, each one can have its own embedded view controller yeah. or something like now, that. Now, the, the scene delegate, as far as I can tell, does exist in iOS 13, yeah. even on the phone, on the iPhone. But I think it makes sense that you can't spawn multiple scenes on a phone, whereas you can on, a, on an iPad, as you said. Yeah, so you could have side-by-side copy of notes, for instance, like two instances yeah. of notes. Yeah. I haven't tried that yet. I don't know if, it, I don't know if it's even possible with it, the notes app. Yeah. Well, I do wonder if the future is going to be such that we'll have separate app stores for iOS apps and iPad apps or se- separate. I mean, what's going to happen with universal apps? And th- there's a lot of... <clears throat> 
a lot of questions in my mind, and they didn't uh, they didn't really answer any of them. So, right, right. You know, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, well, and we haven't gone to all the sessions. Like I, I said before, that like there's a file. Somebody was telling me t- today about the contents of the, the file system um, session was apparently quite enlightening, and, and I can talk about that too because like I noticed on my my um, Catalina device, and now on my on my um, on the machines that I've got Catalina and uh, Mojave installed, they separated out the operating system into a read-only volume, hmm. and the the actual working directory is called you know whatever your partition is hyphen data right Mm -hmm. yeah i think i'd heard about that part although i have not seen in that session yeah so so just for for completion's sake here since i'm talking about it uh, what i did on on my machines i've got i've got i've installed on three different two two separate machines for testing purposes but on two of them i went into disk utility and created a new afs volume called catalina and then when i went to install the os i installed um i installed um 1015 onto the Catalina volume so I could still have Mojave and Catalina switch back and forth. And then I just made my home directory the same directory where all my data is on the Mojave partition, right? And that's working pretty well. Hmm. Yeah. So, and then, you know, because I mean, it's, it's like a minimal size drive that it needs for, and, and these APF volumes grow as, as, as needed, right? Which I found out the hard way the other day. <laughs> anyway. All right. Our next, our next piece here is, is a, a post from Marco Arment. Um, and I don't know if anybody listened to the, the Accidental Tech podcast live from uh, WWC. I listened to it yesterday while I was mowing the lawn, and uh, uh, the piece here is called "Apple is Listening," and it's his uh, his opinion, his opinion piece on the uh, introduction of the Mac Pro, which is actually a Pro Mac for Mac users. And he talked about the the ten, uh, sorry, the 2013 uh, MacBook Pro, a uh, little you know, as we call it, mini keg, uh, was not quite the Pro machine that people were looking for. Um, and he, then he talks about uh, the the iMac Pro, which you know is sort of a Pro level machine has all the bells and whistles that people are looking at 5k 6k screens um and um now uh they had a meeting uh and this is what he's talking about what apple is listening is and i guess in 2017 they had a bunch of pro users come in and talk to apple about what their needs are and what their wants are and that's why they came up with this the new cheese grater the the macbook pro um what are we calling it now it's just called macbook pro right macbook uh, pro, pro display Mac it's pro. really hard not to say macbook sorry. but yeah, yeah sorry mac pro I'm, I'm saying the wrong thing. I'm, anywhere I said MacBook, just take out the book. So Mac Pro, um, yeah, Mac Pro for the new the new new cheese grater style with super expandable, lots of uh, lots of. Uh, they brought back the PCI slots uh, and and enhanced ones. I forget what they call those PCI or something like that or E. Um, you know, so you can have extra power on the actual cards. Um, you can put 1.5 terabytes of RAM in the thing. Comes with and I agree with John Secure Syracuse that they in, the base configuration with 256 gig SSD is, as he says, garbage. Um, I think that's a ridiculous size for anybody who's in a pro business. Uh, although I guess you could use external drives and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, and then this this pro monitor, pro pro display. Yeah, I think X- the, the small drive is is pr- uh, predominantly for a, a shop that might have some NAS, right? Network attached storage. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, or, or even even local local storage, but you'd put your OS on one and you put your, your data on another, right? Yeah. For shuttling around. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people these days don't store anything locally. They just store everything on the network. network. Yeah. So, 
So, yeah. so well, networks are so fast these days, right? So, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, I mean, like we could talk about the Mac Pro probably for a whole episode, like ATP did, but uh, let's not. Um, but the one thing that 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 uh, people are taking, uh, um, I don't know, taking up, I, I don't know how to say it, they're t- taking offense with is this thousand dollar stand. And yeah. I was talking to a friend of mine who just before the, the podcast today, a friend of mine, an illustrator named Peter Cook, who who he, he and I both run in broadcasts and video circles. We know and he listens to a lot of things. I think he listened to Federico Fittici interviewing Craig. This is really tricky. Federighi? Oh, you yeah, got it. So, perfect. Yeah. Well, Fittici and Federighi you know, on the same show. Um, anyway, uh, and, and I'm not sure if that was a source, but he was telling me that that uh, one of the points that, that Apple made about this monitor is, first of all, in most studios, they use Visa mounts exclusively. So why like why would you build a stand that people are just going to chuck anyway, right? So that's one of the reasons why the the, the, the display is available with that with a Visa mount as opposed to close to this fancy stand. But the stand is cool, and I think the stand is repurposing, as Joe Trapinski and I talked about last week, um, sort of repurchasing some of the technology that they came up with in, in the old iMac uh, G4, which had that, you know, the Luxo lamp sort of thing um, with the hinged, uh, fancy hinge. Mm-hmm. Um, but what Peter was saying about these these high-end $40,000 monitors is they have like a pure, they have what they call a true, true white color, or a pure white. But these displays can only do that for minutes at a time and then they shut down the little red light comes on the monitor shuts down because the idea is if it can't show you the pure white it doesn't show you anything at all right um and then you know you have to wait for it to to come back on again and show you that pure white again and you know for proper color balance and that kind of stuff and apparently the apple display doesn't have this you know limitation it can stay clear pure correct for you know much more time in fact they talked about it at in the in the in the uh, the keynote right about how long this this thing can stay on and it can handle the heat and it's got the heat dissipation holes in the back and all that kind of stuff right it actually has a couple fans too for that purpose and um so that's like that's a good reason i mean to think about it like in a, in a high-end video studio you would have one of these forty thousand dollar monitors and a bunch of regular displays for the rest of the people in, in the crew here they could pretty, pretty much buy the four or five thousand six thousand dollar you know displays i think it's six thousand six five ninety nine with the with the etched you know anti-glare um, finish uh, they could have they could afford to have multiple of those in the studio mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah like they're not going to bother buying the stand they're just going to chuck them away right so, so all the sort of knocking that apple's taken about this this separate stand mind you stand for a thousand bucks does sound yeah, like a lot it, of you money. know even, even if you, the stand is optional it doesn't mean it has to be sold for a thousand bucks to people who do need it true yeah 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 or want it i mean that's the other thing too right, right? like i don't know I, I often wonder too like kind of like how engineered do these visa stands have to be if they can handle the weight of a monitor, right? Like I guess they have to be heavily engineered, right? Hydraulics and all that nonsense. Mm. To get that really smooth, you barely touch it at all and it will adjust, but yet not yeah. flop down. Yeah, or sink to, the, sink to the table, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, look, the rubber bands broke after three months and now it kind of sags and I have to use, you know, ropes to, to keep that thing aloft. But yeah, you know, <laughs> my take on it, you know, so first blush, I'll be quite honest, first blush, that's it. Wow, that is the most expensive dongle ever, right? $1,000. But then I said, no, no, no. Just like rather than thinking of the iPhone 10 as having a notch, but rather they added ears, they took away bezel. I think your point is spot on in that, you know, instead of looking as, oh, look, like it's $1,000 more for this thing. It's like, no, no, no. For people who generally don't have, you know, a need for the stand because they're using the visa mounts, this is $1,000 savings. So now true. how much would yeah. you pay? $1,000 less. I just told you. So you don't have to pay yeah, for that part. It, it is the true. Mounts. If they had, instead of selling the, the monitor for six 
$6,000 and the stand for $1,000, if they had sold the pair for $7,000, it's still so much cheaper than the pro version that people wouldn't really be complaining. True. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think it was, that was a missed marketing opportunity for them. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, what, so what do you think about the Mac Pro in general? I mean, like, oh, hang on. Mark, you've been talking about getting an Apple display for a long time. Yeah. I'm not going to buy a $6,000 Apple display. No. <laughs> no helicopters in your future? They're beautiful, but I'm not going to spend that kind of money on a display. You might want on the referred store. No, nor on a, I'm, not, I'm also not, as much as I'd like to get a Mac Pro, I'm not going to spend minimum 6000 bucks on a, on a Mac Pro. That's just, that just doesn't make, doesn't make any sense for me. Yeah. As much as I'd like to have one, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I was thinking about this. I think my first computer system all in was around $14,000. It was like a 2CX, a 19-inch biking monitor, and I think probably laser writer and a scanner, right? Apple, the Apple 300 scanner back in the day. And I don't remember if they, if, the, if that, yeah, no, I, and then I bought a, a Mac 2FX. Remember those? That was at least, at least 10 or $12,000. So I figured that was like 89. What is, so what would that what cost is that today? In US dollars? At the time, I think we were probably about where we are now in terms of like $75 to, you know, $75 to a hundred here in Canada. Right. I think because we, I think the American dollars was, was worth more at the time. Mm. Uh, but, it made, but think about that. It was like 1989, right? Like what would that computer cost today? When the 2FX was like the cat's ass, right? I uh, think they might've said this, if it wasn't ATP, it was a very similar podcast where they, you know, done the U S dollar equivalents and it would have been like the same amount of money. So we talked about it on our show. Um, um, Alexis made the point that the original Mac was 20, 24 99 or something like that. Um, in 1980, 1984. And that would, Oh, be see, yeah. I, I apologize. My, my vague memory was like, well, it wasn't us. It was like, cause it sort of wasn't, it wasn't right? you. And it wasn't the, the only, it wasn't the me. only, you know, non three of us voices that I generally recognize are Greg and Tammy. Right. As, as right, Megan, right. So it, it may be Drew. I actually recognized Drew before, um, before you'd even like said anything hearing him on the, yeah, the, the, the uh, like man that. on the street show. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 No, I, it, so I, I just kind of, I mean, maybe we can do this for follow-up. What would, what would $1989 be worth? But I, Cause I'm, I'm thinking like if I was paying that much for, I mean, I, you can just do the math, $14,000. You're not going to spend that. You might spend that on a, on a Mac pro now with a, with a display, right? Especially if you got the stand. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think like Mark, uh, my particular needs, I mean, this is for truly hardcore, you know, beefing, com- uh, beefy computing powder, which uh, I, I definitely don't need for what I use. I certainly won't turn one down. You know, Apple's listening out there like, wow, we want an influencer program. You better believe I will talk it up and be like, oh, look how awesome yeah. this thing is because it will be awesome. But it's like, yeah, send us a review, review copy. Yeah. It's like using a Ferrari to drive down to get my mail. <laughs> you know, it's like, sure, it's great, yeah. but uh, it's not a luxury I can afford. Um, you know, maybe if I win the lottery or something, I'll, I'll buy a couple of them, have one in each room. Sure, sure. Yeah. 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 Okay, Real time follow up for US dollars, at least. Don't know about Canadian dollars, but for US dollars, $100 in 1989 is equivalent to $206.53 right now. So twice, roughly. So it's basically right? doubled. Doubled, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's quite a quite a Mac Pro you could buy with my Mac 2FX money, right? Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of which, so so here's the thing. So I think that was on the, I bought it. I think it came with a, a system 6.8. It had an 824GC graphics card in it, right? And I think I had a, a whopping 13 inch RGB monitor on it. But the, but the GC card was like supposed to be super duper. 
super fast, right? And then when I upgraded it to, th- to System 7, there was no driver for that card. Thank you very much, Apple. This is like one of my first experiences with computers. It was like 1990 when, when 7 came out. Well, it's okay. Since it was System 7, nothing else worked either, so it doesn't really That's matter. Yeah, it, was, it was still pretty good. I like System, system 7. 7. System 7 was... 7.5 was actually was was probably my favorite one. OS. Huh? Wasn't, it the, wasn't System 7 the buggiest one of all time? It used to crash all it the time. Was, it was pretty... It was okay. Pretty buggy, yeah. as I pretty, recall. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed it. It had the... It start, they started to have uh, colored icons and stuff like that on the desktop. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, like 3D effects and stuff like that, yeah. Mm. I got a copy of that when I went to um, to Barcelona for the, the Olympics because Apple was doing the uh, timekeeping for the 92 Olympics. I was there in 91 doing a proposal for them. But mm. some And one of the Apple guys said, hey, have you got System 7 yet? And he handed me a SideQuest drive with it on it. So, yeah, pretty cool. Anyway, um, yeah, moving on. So, Jaime, you have a story here about BYOD. Yeah, bring your own device is what that stands for. And I thought this was technically follow-up to us talking about uh, mobile device management, MDM mm-hmm. enrollment and stuff. But uh, I don't know if this is covered in a session or not. But There was an MDM session, so it may have been. Okay, cool. So I'd, I'd say folks should definitely check that out. But it seems like the, the TLDR or, or, or DW. By the way, Ricky's watch. yelling at his phone right now because he went to the MDM session. Mm. <laughs> I mean, the big cool thing is that you do have uh, new enrollment options. Like you can have a managed Apple ID from your employer that sits alongside your personal ID. There is separation of personal and work data. And I think the, the key thing for me is the limited set of device-wide management capabilities for IT. So the basic mm-hmm. idea is you'd, you'd get, you know, a work Apple ID and you can have apps that are specific for work. You can have your own apps specific for your personal life. And then on the device management side, IT can only uh, wipe whatever it is that was included as part of that work information. So rather than like, well, it's it's kind of all or nothing, right? Like, whoops, uh, somebody in IT accidentally wiped my phone. Whoopsie, um, too bad I'm on vacation and nowhere near an Apple store and can't deal with the problem, right? Right, and and the, the data on the work side is cryptographically um, protected. So you, there's no way that, you know, they could you could get at it from your personal side and, and vice versa. Like they, you can't even like move files back and forth. Um, curious though, so are we just talking about the Mac? Because, you know, having multiple user accounts on a Mac is not, not a big thing. But if this is on iOS, that's pretty effing cool, right? Because we've been talking about having multi multiple user accounts on iOS devices in the past. I mean, this article made me think that it would work on iOS as well. But maybe I, having not seen the session, maybe I completely misunderstood the context here. Yeah, because that's on my wish list is to have multiple user accounts on devices, right? All devices. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and they sort of do have it like for... Because um, you got that classroom. classroom environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's certainly a need I see that people could have um, for completeness. People out there who are in the Android ecosystem will point out that Android's had this for, for some time, but sure would like to see it in the Apple ecosystem for iPhone in particular. Well, it's a Unix paradigm going to day one, right? To have multiple users on a single account. In fact, we do have multiple users because we have all those root root users and web users and you know MySQL users and all those sort of different services that you use under the hood are all are all owned by different user accounts on your on your actual Mac right now right yeah. sort of yeah it, but they they share a common file system and it's all yeah yeah oh right yeah, permissions yeah. and that's that's a little bit complicated with all the sandboxing i do wonder if if this is going to be true on ios and you have two just completely say separate partitions one for work one for one for personal use uh will you be able to have two copies of the same app one in your user user per, uh, partition i'm calling a partition for lack of that word uh, and one in your business partition so with two completely independent sets of 
data. And mm-hmm. if, if that's the case, then uh, I mean, I guess one would be managed by the app store and one would be managed by your company's MDM app store. And yeah, it, yeah. yeah it, it, it's another interesting thing to see how it, how it'll all work out and how it play out. It seems like it could yeah. get a little confusing for people to have two different versions of the same app. Yeah, well, we uh, especially, use especially with, um, especially with, uh, uh, you know, multitasking and, and the, you know, kill, you kill one version of the app. But if, how do you, how do you know which one you killed? Was it the work one or was it your personal one? It could get kind of confusing. Yeah, but I, I don't think, I don't think you're logged into both accounts at the same time, right? It's, so it's a little may... confusing because they do mention that, uh, some of the built-in apps like notes will be account based. So the app right. will use the yeah. appropriate Apple ID. Um, but then it also separately later on in the article mentions that, uh, IT cannot see what's on your, your personal side of right. things, right. right? Like, you know, That's you installed you some app porn, that right? you'd rather they didn't know about, like, well, they're not going to know about it because it's on the other side of the wall. Right. Um, but, so but it, think about the whole way that iOS works right now. An app has no idea of, of whether you're quote logged into anything, right? You just, mm-hmm. you just right. turn on your phone and you tap an app and it launches. So it almost sounds like you'd have to have two pretty much completely separate installations of iOS running on the phone independently of each other. Well, hang on. Let's go back to that file system thing I talked about before. And by the way, you are using the right terminology. It is partitions because as I said before, in um, uh, Catalina, you have your your operating system partition called Catalina. Yeah, but you're talking about the right? Mac. We're talking about iOS. I know, I know. I, but I think it's the same on iOS, though. That's my point, right? Like, like, like the fact that you can have that you have your operating system in one protected area, and then you have your data, your user data, in a different one. Like, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they do the same thing? Because in, in traditional Unix, you used to have you'd have a, a root partition, which where you have your operating system. You have a swap partition where your virtual memory is, and then you have your user partition where your home directory is. Right. 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 But like, but this is this is essentially disk storage or virtual disk yeah. storage that you're talking about. Uh, I'm talking about in, in just using iOS right now, you, you run an app. And, yeah, no, you, yeah, it's all within the same contained and, space. And right? yeah, are you running, you did, how do you know whether you're running the, your user version of the app or your, your business version of the app? Yeah, you personally, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, I probably yeah. need to watch the session, but I'm kind of imagining that maybe you end up sort of switching modes in sort of ways like, oh. Well, again, we don't know if this is for iOS, as we just said. Like we, the description in the story doesn't, doesn't separate between whether this is Mac OS or iOS that they're they're having this multiple user managed position. Sure, but it, but it sort of only makes sense for iOS, right? Because on the Mac, you've already yeah. got this. I mean, it kind of already exists, essentially. Well, no, I mean, the, the story is about the fact that they can have a managed managed partition or managed section of the of the machine and an unmanaged, like a personal managed personal you know obfuscated version of of your your system or whatever, right? Like like I could take my MacBook Pro or sorry my MacBook Air into the office, enroll it, right? But I would still have my personal home stuff protected from the IT stuff. That's what this this story is about. This BYOD thing, right? But BYOD normally means, in my mind, it normally means bringing your iPhone or your Android device in too, right? Yeah, yeah. It says here to separate work data from personal, iOS would create a managed APFS volume at the time. Of the oh, it world. is iOS, actually. You're right. It's right in the, right in the first, first paragraph. I read this when I was very sleepy, so I forgot. The, <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those, oh, <laughs> you wake up, you, you see the news, like, oh, let me save this for content, but I should have gone back and, and read it. No, it's still totally cool if you if this I mean if if your company will let you do this, but yeah, but yeah, this this uh, this sounds pretty cool because because that's that's a challenge for us. Like we have like in in our situation, we have a container version of our mail and web and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so we have we have a protected environment where where you know our our work stuff lives and and you know I chose not to enroll my whole device because I don't want my IT department to have 
control of my device. I don't remember. I remember it was something like you could add uh, provisioning profiles of some sort for IT management, but I yeah. said no thank you for the reasons described in the article of like, yeah. uh, I'm not worried about malicious. I'm more worried about, whoops, there was a bug or, whoops, I clicked the wrong user and accidentally wiped the wrong user. Um, like we had, the, we used to have this fully enrolled version, where, but it would take away things like handoff, which I'm not going to, I couldn't live without handoff these days. I don't know about you guys, but because I'm constantly moving from Mac to iOS and back, right? No, I, 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 I mean, I understand your, your point and I, I am um, losing out on that benefit, but I've kept a pretty strong firewall of like, you got to provide equipment, you got to provide email. And when I get registered for the Teams um, uh, Apple developer account and stuff, it's, it's all through work email. So yeah, I keep my work and home yeah, separated. Separate. And, and it uh, makes it easier for like, oh, you know, you leave the company, you know, you know, maybe you find a new job or, you know, worst case if something happens, you know, terrible to you, the company can like hijack their own accounts, right? And be like, whoops, was Lopez the only one who had access to the app store? Well, <laughs> let's hijack his email, reset his, his password, and then we can go in and deal with that, right? If, if it's my personal stuff, there's no way I'm letting anybody do that. And it also makes it cleaner. And I have to log in, like, you know, it's a face ID login, but still, you know, so if I leave the company, they just blow away my password and then I, I basically can't even use the app, right? So, all right, it sounds pretty cool. I mean, like the, like I said before, I've, I've often wondered why we can't have multiple users on, on device. And, and I'm a big fan of MDM um, as far as, you know, being able to manage corporate secrets and stuff like that, right? So, you know, you want to you protect your company from your users. And that's what, that's what, I think that's what the whole purpose of MDM is about, right? So, but they, I know they've had this in the past, but, uh, but this sounds a little bit more, more better thought out, right? This, this is Apple doing this too, right? Not, um, not like third-party solutions like Jamf and that kind of thing, right? That, that was my understanding is it was official Apple uh, solution. Cool. All right. All right. Well, this, this next story came in, well, it says the 3rd of uh, June, right? So last week, I guess. Uh, this is a, a quick story and this sort of follows up on the uh, shenanigans that we've seen from companies like Facebook and Google with their enterprise certificate. So this is a follow-up on that story that where, you know, they were um, providing, using their enterprise um, uh, license or certificates to sign and distribute apps to people outside of their their um, their environments. Um, Apple has now uh, sort of stepped up and said that um, they will uh, reserve the right to review enterprise-level apps. Um, so in the past, I think people kind of thought, well, if it's enterprise, I can, you know, pretty much as long as I stay within some rules, I can do what I want with them. I can distribute them however I want. Um, Apple's now saying that uh, they're they're going to um, have some uh, oversight on what people are doing with enterprise apps going forward. Thoughts? Well, I wonder if they'll be uh, reviewing the content of the enterprise apps. It seems seems sort of unlikely that they'd be doing that as opposed to uh, reviewing the distribution of the enterprise apps because they're trying to solve the problem of, of people essentially using the enterprise programs to to give versus the app to people outside of their company, which violates mm-hmm. the rules. So if they if they were reviewing the content, I would be a little bit surprised. Yeah, I think maybe they're they're more talking about the you know the what the app is doing. Um, you know, like 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 sort of like a review process, not quite a review process, but I think uh, an ability to go in and, and uh, look at look at them, right? Yeah. So I could see them running automated stuff to see are you trying to use private net um, frameworks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe not the like uh, the good old days of the app server like hey we don't think your app's worth it so we're just going to reject it. Um, certainly they don't tend to do that now. It tends to be a specific guideline that they're looking for. But I, I also 
don't think it will be, hey, we don't think this is a great app or, or any of that sort of, you know, deep functionality from a user side. I think it's more right. probably going to tend towards, oh, um, are you using private frameworks to do things you shouldn't be doing? Things that you clearly would be unable to do on the App Store, uh, right. like the, um, you know, scanning people's devices for all sorts of other stuff uh, under the guise of offering a VPN or offering a survey app and that sort of thing. Sure, sure. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on to, I want to I want to sort of take another stab at WWDC, although I know we've had we've had two two episodes about WWDC so far, but you know it's it's the time of the year. Um, Jaime, why don't you uh, and Mark? I'm sure you had some time to look at some videos now, right? Um, what uh, what do you guys think about uh, WWDC so far? Uh, some interesting stuff. I, you know, I looking back on it, while it was going on, it seemed like there were a huge number of of cool new things. Uh, but looking back, it 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 sort of seemed to me like there were a couple of really huge things like SwiftUI and, and Combine, uh, but there weren't as many huge things as I kind of expected. I mean, there were, as, right, I, as yeah. I remembered, yeah. So basically, those those two uh, and the hardware stuff, right? And, and and as I said, going into it, like remember we were talking, we were joking about the dark mode and yeah. the five sessions they would have on dark mode. They literally had, I think, five, at least five, maybe seven sessions. I mean, Swift Swift UI was talked about in just about every session, sure. Um, and unless it was like collection views or, or I know there were some sessions on core data which I haven't had a chance to see yet but uh, yeah but yeah I mean I went to I went to at least three sessions in fact I didn't even catch combine in it's combine Jeez, I just combine. I didn't, didn't even catch combine in the in it didn't I didn't even like, kind of flew past me in, in the in the keynote but when I went to one of the first sessions on Swift UI I think it was Swift UI essentials like the very first uh, session on it and they mentioned combine um, a, a red flag went, went off in my head I said hey we better go check this out and so there were two other sessions on combine um my, my colleague sue went to one and i went to the, the second one and we kind of traded back and traded notes back and forth throughout the rest of the week but um yeah because it, it dawned on me that we should pay attention to that but like but my point is that that was always swift ui was in every you know whether it was making of avocado toast or whatever which was seen to be another running theme throughout the the, the, the sessions um you know, hipsters and their avocado toast. Um, last year was it unicorns or something? Or was that two years ago? Unicorn Finder. Uh, anyway, um, last yeah, year it was, it was a soup. Soup. Oh, right. that's right. Yeah. All the series shortcut stuff was Soup Chef. Really? Yeah. 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 Soup Chef. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this year was avocado toast. Yeah. So um, yeah. I guess um, there was another big thing was the standalone watch apps. I kind of didn't think about that. Right. Right. Yeah. Very little about yeah. TVOS. Pretty much almost nothing on TVOS. Yeah. Yeah. But again, hey, Swift UI for TVOS and Swift UI for for watch. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah, I was I was wrong about uh, how much emphasis on services there would be. Uh, of course, they did uh, they did uh, announce the, the standalone iTunes replacement app. Right. Mm -hmm. But I was expecting there to be a lot more developer support for those individual apps. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And, yeah, the, and there really yeah. wasn't much of that at all. Yeah. And the whole uh, Marzipan uh, project. What do you call it? Project Catalyst. 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 Yeah. That, that. I don't know if there was. Were there much sessions on that? There wasn't that much. No. Not as much as you were expecting. Right. Right. Hmm. And I was notably wrong because I thought, oh, they're going to give us preview and then for realsies next year. And clearly oh, yeah. they're giving us for realsies this year. Yeah. Well, are they though? Are we going to ship, be able to ship these things? Like, I, I assume right? so since they didn't say, you know, and you'll be able to start shipping them in 2020. Right, right, right. I mean, it'd be rather, rather so womp womp if they <laughs> change that come September. So do you think when 1015 launches, we'll be able to throw up our, uh, be able to, I guess a, a week before it comes out, they'll say, submit your, your iPad apps for Mac or whatever. 
Project Catalyst. Catalyst. Because when they say Project Catalyst, to me, it sounds like it's still in the works. Don't you think? It's it's a weird name, and I don't understand why they changed it from Marzipan, since neither one... I guess Marzipan is slightly more nonsensical than well, Catalyst. Well, they always, they always oh, have a code this, word for... This is the Catalyst have... for, for, for new be- beginnings of, you know, iPad stuff on Mac. Well, okay, right. maybe. But Marzipan was the name we'd already had, and it was kind of a silly but useful code name, because we all knew what we were talking about, right? And if you knew the secret code word, you knew what it was, because it was consistently used. Yeah, but they always do that. They always have, have sort of a, a, a word to mask the actual meaning, you know, um, as, as in, when it's in-house in development, right? And then, True, then but, but it, they told us what it was. Did they tell us Marzipan, or was it leaked out by oh, Rico wait, and those did guys? They, did they never actually say... Strout maybe, Smith? Maybe did did Strout Smith bring that out? Or? I take it back. You're right. Maybe it was just in the uh, the podcastosphere and blogosphere yeah. for so much that I just sort of, you know, in my mind, believed that Apple had officially given it that name, but maybe they didn't. Yeah, yeah. So was there many sessions on AR? Because they had that game there. I don't know if you saw the, the bowling game that we were playing in. Uh, I, I saw watched Tim Cook play it on after the keynote, um, where you had an iPad and you, you used your forward motion to, to run this bowling ball into your opponent's pins. I think there were a handful of such, at least one on like what's new in ARKit 3, I think, and then one separate one for Reality Composer. Oh, Reality Composer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounded like a really cool thing. Oh, yeah, there was that too. Yeah. Okay, maybe there was. <laughs> yeah, there was also... Uh, uh, what was the one I was just thinking of? Uh, SF Symbols. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Mm, yeah. All right. Yeah. Looking back, there is more than I thought. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also, also Apple officially supporting WebSockets is kind of interesting. Uh, oh, I didn't I, see that. Is that like in a new and networking sort of thing? Yeah. I haven't watched that session yet, but I, I assume that they've written a version of WebSockets that sits on top of, of uh, network.framework. That's my my assumption, which would be a kind of a cool thing instead of yeah. a building built being built on top of like old POSIX sockets, which would be kind of cool. Well, we, and so we've talked- package manager and Xcode. Yeah, there was yeah. there was a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but some of those no are, services. There was no services. Was no That's services. your point. And no, some of those yeah, are pretty nice, but it, but I think <laughs> so. My I think my mind was blown purely by Swift UI and, and how sort of a mega change that is. So if you've skipped ahead in the episode and, and you heard me just say, "Oh yeah, I think you know it's up to companies to decide what they want to do," this is the other side of that where I sound really hypocritical. Where like I really want Swift UI to be the basis going forward, and I really want therefore iOS thirteen and uh, I think Catalina, I assume, to be the basis going forward, like as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Because I, I do think that Swift UI, uh, and, and granted, it is um, V1, Generation 1. Uh, if you remember how auto layout was in iOS 6, you're probably maybe a little cringing, properly yeah. cautious about this. But assuming that, um, you know, whatever warts are, are things that could be dealt with, I think truly that this will make it, um, it will make it difficult to attract, retain, hire folks if you're not having Swift UI somewhere in your development story. In your plan, your roadmap, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. I think this definitely puts a, a, a damper on stuff like React Native and Flutter and a few other things. Um, mm-hmm. Plain old UI kit and app kit stuff seems like it will be a lot less interesting, you know, come September and certainly in a year from now when the vast yeah. majority of folks have iOS 13 as their base. And I think that will impact hiring. So if you're like, oh yeah, we've got like, I mean, even right now, there are definitely places that still, um, you know, 
are uh, Objective C only or or some other thing. And Marco Armit said he's going to learn Swift now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess it ends. You know, it's it's a good time. It's nice and stable. So there, there's that, and there's there's nice things like we mentioned. But I do think that you uh, Swift UI uh, alone sort of warranted the whoa. That's mind blowing. That it's this brand new paradigm for how we're going to build apps. At least the UI part. So no support for collection views in Swift UI yet. That's correct. I think we have to, we have to wait for Swift 2.0, Swift UI 2.0. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. Uh, but, okay, so have, have you guys played with the Swift UI at all or even looked at some of the... I know you've looked at the tutorials. I mean, I, I, you and I picked the same thing again for picks, but have you have you guys looked at it or read through what, what can be done so far? A little bit, not a, whole, not a whole lot. Yeah, I haven't gotten that far into the tutorials. The, the tutorials, you know, like a spoiler for the pick later, the episode, yeah. they're pretty nice and they cover a lot of different angles. Um, but I do think that we will have to figure out as a community some of the best practices. Like I've definitely right. heard people talking about um, the return of the Pyramid of Doom, which <laughs> if you look at the sort of the very basic and straightforward um, code that Apple's put out for examples, like I can get why people don't think that. But if you see other things like, I apologize, it was either uh, John Sundell or, or Paul Hudson's sites, they've talked about like, oh, yeah, you're going to want to abstract this part out so that you're building up from smaller and smaller little Lego bricks. Right. And so right. you don't have the, the giant pyramid of doom. And I also think we will need to figure out the right way to handle uh, separation of concerns so that like a list view doesn't necessarily know where things are going to go to. Uh, the sort of naive example that Apple shows just for ease of clarity is like, oh, this, this list view is wrapped in a like a navigation view. I want to say it as a navigation yeah. button or something. And, and the, that's the one it knows that, yes, I'm specifically going to go to the item detail. Well, it really shouldn't know that. But thinking how the um, the Swift UI declaration stuff works, it kind of seems like you would have a different thing, a little component that says like, oh, I'm the one who's smart enough to know this will go there. You don't have to worry about that list. You will ask me for where it should go, and then I will tell you. So under the hood, I mean, like we're, we're I talked about this last week. To, I think I, I recall there being a home view controller that sits above UI view controller traditional stuff, right? And that's where where this, you know, sequence de delegate and all this stuff lives. Do you think under the hood there really is a table view controller that you're creating when you create that list? Because obviously there has to be, right? Yeah, I've been wondering uh, that myself. Uh, you know, at, at runtime, you say you have Objective-C and you have Swift still being interoperable. And yeah. from Swift, you can use UIKit stuff. So so is Swift UI just converting to UIKit elements uh, at compile time? I, I, I wonder that myself. It seems well, from information that I've seen where people have been poking at this, that the answer is yes and no. So in right. some cases, it seems like, yes, it is deferring to AppKit and UIKit stuff. Mm -hmm. But in other cases, they seem to be doing custom layer-based rendering to get some of that performance. So what I mean, some of these we, people... We, the segues are gone. You know, the 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 you know, the the way data flows is being abstracted by com combine. I almost said combine again. Um, uh, it's it's quite interesting. I mean, like, I, I actually wrote a, ta a table view today in, like, 20 lines of code. Like, it's crazy. You know, like, Apple's way of going through the tutorials is to, to walk you step by step to sort of get you to understand what you're doing. But it, at, the end of the, at the end of the exercise, you've got a 20-line table view. 
Right. 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 And and just for, for completeness of what I was saying before, the, the big thing for us is that Swift UI is declarative. And so yeah. Apple can change the underpinnings and it doesn't hypothetically impact our code. Right. We just say, I would like this yeah, thing yeah. to be, and, and however you feel like making it become that cool, that's, that's up to you. And I do think that's really neat how Swift UI sort of fulfills the promise of the uh, nib based interface builder stuff of like you, you see it, what you you see is what you get. If you write the code, it automatically updates in the visual representation. If you change the visual representation, it automatically changes the code, which is cool. Um, the one downside is it doesn't really fully replace storyboards because it doesn't really have mm-hmm. an answer for um, inter-scene or inter-screen sort of you know path handling, which storyboards are really good at. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm. All right. So let's move on to your next story here, Jaime, about the uh, App Store review guidelines. Yeah, there's surprise, a, there's, surprise. There's a whole mess of them. Uh, this is Jay. June 3rd from uh, News and Updates. I think I got this from an email. So if you didn't check your inbox, I've checked it for you. Um, there's some guideline changes to keep data privacy at first and foremost for children. So apps in the kids categories and intended for kids cannot include, cannot include, cannot include. So big, I said it thrice, cannot include third-party advertising or analytics software and may not transmit data to third party. This guideline is now enforced for new apps. Existing apps must follow this guideline by September 3rd, 2019. Wow. Yeah, That is dropping a bomb so to speak yeah, in that yeah. in that arena they are definitely drawing a line in the sand for that that's interesting uh, yeah yeah um continuing down the list uh html5 games distributed and apps may not provide access to real money gaming lotteries charitable donations and it may not support digital commerce mm-hmm. again enforced now for new apps existing apps follow by september 3rd 2019 another one mm-hmm. that's just drawing a line in the sand says vpns provide access to sensitive data so guess what you cannot sell use or disclose to third parties any data for any purpose and must commit to this in a privacy policy uh, with the caveat that certain types of apps such as those as parental content control um, may use the any VPN manager API. Brand new guideline around MDM as well and providing access to, to private data. Um, apps may use a user's health or fitness data provided benefit directly to that user such as a reduced insurance premium if the app is submitted by the entity providing the benefit and the data is not shared with third party. Developers must also disclose to the user that this is occurring. Um, mm. Apparently this one about uh, apps that compile information from any sources, not directly from the user or without the user's explicit consent. Even public databases are not permitted in the App Store. Not 100% certain where that's coming from, except possibly some of the things like the large... Um, base recognition databases that have been out there that even some of the parties like Microsoft have been trying to pull back and remove from uh, from their, their public repos. Uh, here's, I'm sure, a controversial, and I'm, I'm, I'm shocked I haven't heard this in other media. Uh, apps may not facilitate purchase of ammunition. That is very specific. <laughs> That's really? very specific. Wow. And uh, remote desktop clients now include game consoles owned by the user. Does that Software. mean you can't use the Walmart app to buy bullets? Presumably not. Uh, it, it doesn't say you can't buy arms, so presumably you could still buy like a hunting rifle which they definitely yeah. sell at, uh, at at your local Walmart for the most part. Yeah, not in Canada, though, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, no, uh, no arms sold in Walmart, Canada. As far as I know, last time I looked. <laughs> I was surprised last time I was in a Walmart in the States and there, were, there was um, hardware there. Let's put it that way. Uh, the last two that are not listed as guideline numbers, so it's a little weird, is that uh, demo videos of app functionality that is geo-locked or otherwise restricted or not accepted. Developers must provide a fully functional app for review. That kind of makes sense. Well, that's uh, that, that whole Cupertino thing, right? If you make it, you know... 
check for Cupertino or whatever. Yeah, the <laughs> the get around the App Store code it seems like it's being um, talked about here. The demo videos of app functionality is geolocked will get interesting, considering that a lot of companies will sort of understandably start like, oh, you know, we're, we're starting in San Francisco, and then you know, coming soon to your town, sort of thing. And I think they'll have to tread a little bit more carefully with that sort of thing. Going to say sign in with Apple. I was going to mention that earlier when we were talking about WWC, but we, we can talk about it now. Yes. So this is the other uh, big thing that Apple uh, dropped on the whole world for, for, for privacy sake. Sign in with Apple will be available for beta testing this summer. It will be required as an option for users in apps that support third-party sign-in when it is mm-hmm. commercially available later this year. So if your app has some sort of third-party login, probably Facebook, probably Google, occasionally Twitter, and occasionally Pinterest. Like, guess what? Now you are required to have sign-in with Apple as an option to hear users. Mm-hmm. And not required, but it is highly suggested that you put it number one in that list. Yeah. yeah. So, so what are the ones that you mentioned, Henry? Uh, 5.1.1 parentheses 8. Apps that compile information from any source that is not directly from the user or without the user's explicit consent, even public databases, are not permitted on the App Store. Am I reading this correctly? That's saying you can't even make a weather app or a stock app or a sports really? app that, that pulls data from an external database unless the user explicitly is consenting? That's kind of weird. Let me yeah. see. What, which number is that? 5.1.18. 5. 5. I don't know what section. You're right. Reading it independently like that, it sounds bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so 5.1.1. Fourth one from the bottom in the bullet points. Seven. Yeah. And then I'm looking at the under legal. So you can't this watch under- a sports game inside an app? Like you can't watch a basketball game inside the app? Well, that's that's not compiling information. That's okay. streaming. But but say I want to pull all the scores, you know, or or yeah. pull pull my favorite baseball player's batting average for the past 10 years. That's compiling information from a source that's not directly from the user. That seems kind yeah, of restrictive. I, I, so I'm going to assume this is a very poorly written guideline because the like lawyer reading of it, I think you're, you're totally correct. Like that is a perfectly valid interpretation. Hmm. I think the intent of what they wanted here is somehow related to things like um, uh, scraping information like the user's phone number or contact list and stuff like that. And then it's like, look, even if that's, you know, alternatively available, like in public databases, it is not cool for you to compile that information or, or confirm it otherwise. I'm going to hope, considering that this is under section uh, 5.1, which is privacy, and 5.1.1, which is data collection and storage. Hmm. I'm going to assume that's what they mean. And they really, <laughs> to your point, <laughs> didn't mean, oh, guess what? <laughs> this weather API provided by, you know, uh, Dark Sky is now means that you can't have this because that was not, you know, what yeah. temperature it is right now in Idaho is not your your thing that you're offering. Well, it, could, it could even be things like virus databases or, or lists of, of spam or phone numbers, right? Because you're pulling, you, if you're pulling those in and storing them in the app so you can compare a phone number, is that not the case? Yeah. Similar kind of... Yeah, it sounds very strange. Hmm. But I mean, so maybe there's going to be like the camera statement or the location statement. Maybe, maybe we're going to be required to have, you know, uh, what do you call those permission disclosures, right? Uh, in our apps, if we, if we do this, right? But how would Apple know? It's very unclear. And I think we won't know for certain until some, until somebody gets uh, rejected. Yeah. And somebody, and there's a big, uh, brouhaha over, over this. So keep your eyes out for that. Hopefully All it's right, not James you. Thompson, you've been challenged. You got to figure out how to make this, this fail. <laughs> <laughs> Let's throw it. We'll give it to James Thompson to figure out for us. All right. Friend of the show, James Thompson, that is moving on. Yes. No, moving on. Mm-hmm. All right. So I posted this last week. We didn't get around to talking about it because we were too busy being, having our minds blown, but, uh, friend of the, sh- well, friend of mine, I guess, uh, is one of the gentlemen over at raywonderlick.com, Shai Masali. Uh, 
Michelle. He has uh, he's a uh, an RX Swift user, and uh, in his company they use they use it quite a bit. So he was comparing um, uh, Apple's Combine with uh, with RX Swift. So he's created a cheat sheet here, uh, and he says it's a living document, so it, it'll grow. Um, just comparing some of the things about uh, um, RX Swift versus Combine. Um, you know, RX Swift came out with in iOS eight. You know, Combine is thirteen. iOS thirteen uh, supports you know iOS, macOS, tvOS, watchOS, and Linux, and as well uh, in the case of Combine, it supports UIKit for Mac, which is new part of Catalyst, right? Um, and it just goes through the different sort of things that that uh, different things like you know we have observables in RX Swift, where in com- Combine you have a publisher. I think I mentioned a bit of this before. We have observers in uh, in RX Swift. You have a subscriber in uh, uh, Combine, and there was one other thing I was trying to remember last week. I should look it up again because um, there was a middle state between the two. Something I think something to do with state. Um, but yeah, just sort of comparing some of the the core components, operators, and that kind of stuff uh, to see how they they differ or are similar to um, RX Swift or React, like reactive programming. I guess so. I don't know. If, have you looked at any reactive stuff, Jaime, at all? Only a little bit. I do actually have the Ray Rinderlich book. Oh yeah, me too. But I haven't gone that far in depth of it. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen a little bit of this, um, or at least similarities in shops where Android is using RX Java. Mm-hmm. So it seems very similar. And I really appreciate the um, the table here of how some of these things would translate. It looks like for shops that are already using RX Swift, a lot of this will be very mm-hmm. very similar. I'm kind of curious where things sort of fall apart. Where if you've gotten used to some fancy thing in RX Swift, um, I'm going to guess that Combine doesn't have all the bells and whistles, given that it's a V1 release. Right, right. Just looking at my notes again this week. Uh, easier to look at on my computer. And it's it's funny. Just today, I ended up watching a video from uh, with Shy where he was giving a conference talk on the myths about myths and truths about RX Swift or similar. Mm-hmm. I forget what the name of the mm-hmm. the session was, but you know that it, it's hard. And then it's like, yeah, he's like, you know, there's there's kind of a bit of a, a mental shift you have to make going on the reactive side and dealing with events coming through. But there's some real real interesting power that you can you can have. Yeah. So uh, what was I just found? I read my notes here. So you have your publisher, which will send values and you have a subscriber which can request values from the publisher as well so and as i mentioned last week used for callbacks closures notifications and key value observing and the thing i was trying to remember in between is you can also have a thing that they call a subject that's why i've got my notes here and it's sort of a hybrid between uh subscriber and publisher it can sit in front of the subscribers but it can also receive data from a publisher if if you like as well and send that over to the, the subscribers more than uh, multiple subscribers in this case so let's see a let did change can equal to a pass-through subject um, and uh, has four different, three different states. Never, uh, if the other state is. Yeah, but anyway, that's that's sort of the subject is the thing I was trying to remember that sits between, can sit between a publisher and a subscriber. Yeah, we're going to have to get our heads wrapped around combined. All right, should we move on to our picks? We're done sure. here. All right. So Jaime, you and I both picked the same thing again. <laughs> Only mine looks different than yours. I think, yeah, yours and mine are the same. So go ahead spoil my party. Yeah, there's uh, some nice tutorials out there and some nice documentation. The first one is the tutorials site, so developer.apple.com slash tutorials slash SwiftUI mm-hmm. has uh, sort of a nice, really cool, you know, why should you even care if you're not convinced so far sort of little site. But then also critically has the tutorials which cover the essentials, drawing and animation, app design and layout, and framework integration, so working with UI kit, for example. And I've only stepped a little bit through these and really need to sit 
down and deal with it. But it's really pretty neat and it's kind of cool. It shows you step by step what you should be seeing and what should be happening. Word to the wise, if you haven't gone um, and created a volume for Catalina or I guess even gone all in on, on the beta for your main machine, if you're running anything lower than Catalina, you can do Swift UI, but you will not get the live preview that they showed on stage. So that's something that people were getting tripped up on. Yeah. So you got to, you got to, you know, build and rerun like an animal like we used to back two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Who could do that? Yeah. No, yeah. I've been playing with it uh, quite a bit. Um, did a quick demo for the folks at work uh, yesterday as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm really liking it. And it's also pretty early days. I have not encountered this in the, uh, in the tutorials yet, but some people said like, oh, um, looks like some stuff will come in future seeds of the betas, like uh, UI split view controller for iPad and Catalyst or something. I forget what, I'll see if I can find the tweet. And the other thing would be that um, I think the form element is also one that will come in a future seed. Right, I believe right. that one is known. So uh, just like real, real early days of Swift, don't be surprised if things are uh, totally broken one week and then a week later we get a new seed and it totally works. We have ABI stability now, don't we? I'm kidding. Um, I discovered one thing too, is and that's when I was working through it, that uh, if you make a mistake, like I made a typo in one of my one of my lines of code, I, I typed in a variable name incorrectly. And um, yeah, it started showing errors all through the app and it, it, was, it showed everything everywhere but where the actual error was. And I ended up having to go and do a diff uh, between what I changed and what was there before to see where I'd made a mistake. It was something like I forgot the I in the word image, for example. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was very confusing to try and figure out what where you had gone wrong. So if, you know, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of patience sort of figuring out the landscape here in terms of um, kind of mistakes you can make and, and how they get displayed. So, but I did find that the, um, there's, when you're in the preview mode, there's a little diagnostics um, thing. Like if, if your view doesn't render you can there's a diagnostic you can tap there and it'll tell you pretty much what what you're doing what's what's missing from from the uh, why it's unable to render the, the the preview right so um like if you make a mistake in your code obviously you can't render that can't you know can't you know uh, build i guess right and you can you can force a build too like if you if you go in and as you're typing you know you get the sort of red marks in there and you know how sometimes the compiler takes a while especially on a slower machine like a macbook air uh it takes a while to sort of you know re rebuild you can actually do a command b and, and get it to, to do a build to, to catch up to where you are in your code, right? Like if you're ahead of the compiler. So, yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's really interesting to sort of see, you know, the minimal amount of code you can put in to get some pretty cool effects, right? Yeah. Did it make you nostalgic for the first seeds of Swift uh, and how broken the tooling was? Well, it's not, it's not that bad. I mean, I, I know I did tweet about it this afternoon, but it, 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 was a, it was a little confusing at first. Like I'm looking at this thing going, okay, what did I do wrong? And, and it's not really clear that, you know, this line here is the one where you made the mistake. Like in, in current versions of uh, Swift 4 and 5, it's much clearer about where the mistake was. But I, I don't know if you remember back in, in, I think around Swift 2, if you made a mistake, you know, it might show you the error five or six lines or even a half a page away from where the actual error had occurred. Because, you know, somewhere else is trying to read in the, the broken data, right? And that's why it shows the error where it does, right? So um, it, it can be a little little confusing if you're if you're running to that. So I've been what I've been doing as I'm going through is, is every time I do something successful, I commit, right? And then if I go to the next step of a tutorial or whatever and I make a mistake, I can always go back and see, okay, what actual lines did I change? And what's cool about it is now is in Xcode 11, now can see the changes you've made. They've got that blue bar that appears on between the project navigator and the standard editor. Now you get a blue bar down the left-hand side. You can click on that and it'll, it'll show you like a diff between what you've what you've just done and what was there before. So I haven't really got into using the mini map yet. That I don't know if you have at all, Jaime, but uh, that you can scroll over that and 
and jump right to um, different sections depending on how you break out your code. Whether you use the you know the mark um, statements and stuff like that. I haven't tried that. I loaded the betas um, and I haven't like gone through and seen all the really cool little things you can do, like the mini map. Yeah. yeah. Well, like I said, I took my sacrificial Mac with me down to the show. So uh, yeah, when I first installed Xcode 11, I stumbled across that why am I not getting a preview thing for you know a few hours and then then dawned on me that uh, you need to put uh, actually it was the the diagnostic thing said you can't you can't preview this unless you're running on uh, Catalina. So that's where I discovered the benefit of having the, the diagnostic tool there and as well the fact that I need to update my OS. Yeah, I'm, I'm really liking it. I mean, like, it's it's so cool, so magical. Like, it's almost witchcraft, right, in terms of how, how cool it is, how, how, you know, getting instant results. It, it makes me reminiscent of when I was first learning uh, PHP, you know, because you, you could basically do stuff, refresh your browser, and then, you know, get a either an update of successful <laughs> deployment or a completely blank screen, you know, and you'd be scratching your head going, where did I go wrong? Usually misplaced comma or something like that, or semicolon. All right, so what's your next pick? Next one is not a tutorials, and I apologize if there is one out there, but it is the framework documentation for a combine. So if you want to start there, take a look at the overview and everything, that's sort of your place to go. Learn about the difference between publisher, subscriber, subjects, schedulers, that sort of thing. I imagine there's a lot of detail that is covered in like two or three sessions, I think I saw with the word combine somewhere in them. So I definitely need to watch those as well. Yeah, yeah. This is here for reference if you're trying to follow along. Yeah, I went to the combine in practice, I think it's called, which is a pretty illuminating session. But yeah, yeah, lots of interesting stuff. Cool. I have one more. The last one is more of a fun one, and that is the official Mac Pro webpage, which is pretty nifty if you're looking at it on a desktop. But I suggest you check it out on your iPhone or iPad that is compatible. And you have a option just under the watch the film that says see Mac Pro in AR. So you can see how that thing might look on your desk <laughs> or in your driveway. Yeah. And it's it's actually pretty cool how the AR stuff is. Uh, it handles light and color differences. So it won't be just, oh, perfectly silver it'll be oh you know i've got kind of an orange hue to my lights right now so the nice. orange hue will show up in the silver it's really cool yeah i, I have to admit to being fooled uh, a couple of people at a different site in our office posted to slack pictures of themselves with ar versions of map pros on their desktops and saying things like hey look what i just got and it, it looked so realistic yeah, it was at first i was like well how did they get these so fast <laughs> right, yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's done very well well that's a lot that uh, we were talking about, I think, in the um, the rendering with the. I think uh, uh, um, last week uh, discussion with Alexis, he was talking about how they're they're actually dumbing down the quality of the, the rendering to make it look more realistic and have artifacts and stuff like that in it, right? Yeah, make it make it blend in with some noise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll have to try and put one on my desktop here. That would be cool. All right. Um, so my pick, uh, I was standing in the keynote keynote line, um, talking to developers, you know, finding out where they're from, and you met some people from LinkedIn, met some people who were formerly from LinkedIn, but one guy was sharing his, his contact data. And uh, so he held a, a, a barcode for, for the guy next to him to scan. And then he was showing us that his app called Visual Codes by Benjamin Mayo. Um, and I forgot the name of the guy who showed it to me, but um, apologies to you. Uh, they they uh, It basically allows you to, it's an app that lets you go in and put in like a URL or put in your contact information or whatever. And it generates a barcode for you, or sorry, QR code so that you can, you can then share that. So I actually tweeted one out with with our show uh, our show link to the um, I believe to the website or it might have been to to iTunes. Um, I just you just scan the QR code with your with your camera and when it goes. And I've already done that. I've used it a couple of times this week. Um, it is a it is there is a um, an in app purchase to basically uh, unlock it and allow you to print the uh, QR 
barcodes if you need, put them on a business card or whatever. But uh, yeah, they're just this quick, quick way of, of sharing information. You know, um, somebody asked me for my email address and phone number yesterday. I just said, here, scan this and presto changeo, they had my information. It was like uh, pretty cool. So that's called Visual Codes uh, from Benjamin Mayo. And I found that in the keynote line waiting for, waiting to get in there and see all the fabulous and hear all the fabulous news. Uh, and of course, my other pick was the same tutorial to the I just mentioned. So I guess I don't have another pick. The pick's so nice we did it twice. It's so nice we did it twice. So this, this visual code one seems pretty interesting to me because I could see how it would be pretty useful to have like your Twitter handle stuff and rather than trying to find it. I, I'm sure it's somewhere yeah, yeah. In, in Twitter's UI. Just like, look, here, this is who I am. And since the camera app natively as of what, like 11 maybe? If not 11, then iOS 12 natively looks for and detects QR codes. It's super easy, barely an inconvenience to get started with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do have a, I do have one more pick. I just realized. Unless Mark has a pick, I do have a quick pick. Uh, just uh, if you've been if you were watching the WBC videos live and and maybe haven't uh, gone back some or were actually at the show and haven't gone back to the developer page for WBC, uh, it's definitely worth taking an, another look back there because I just saw today there's a whole bunch of videos that are on there now that weren't actually presented at the show. Yeah, true. Uh, and they always do this every year, but it's seems like this year there's a lot more than I remember there being in the past. In particular, I was noticing during, at the time of the show that there was pretty much nothing about audio in the whole show. Mm. Uh, but now there's at least three or four different talks. There's even one on, on um, AV Audio Engine there. It's one of my favorite frameworks. So do you guys have the um, you guys have the iPhone or the um, WWC app on your devices? I do. Uh, so if you go to the news section, either on your iPad or your um, iPhone, mm-hmm. so if you look at if you look at the wrap-up uh, section, right, they've got the photos there. Yeah. So the second person there wearing a um, thumbs up. Oh, that's Sue. Um, that's Sue, my my colleague from the bank, and that's my arm there with my tragically hip T-shirt. Yeah, yeah. So Sue's in the app. She was. This is second. She's in the app twice because she was on the very first day, getting excited for the keynote. She's the third picture in. Oh yeah, I see it now. The layout was doing terrible yeah. things. Yeah. Well, I, I'm I'm looking at it on my iPad. So. Oh yeah. yeah. That's Sue again. Yeah. She was. We were lining up for the keynote, and somebody pulled her aside today. Can I take a picture? Yeah. So that's cool. Um, so my my last one is sort of a humble brag. Uh, my talk got selected for Swift Swift Toronto um, or Swift TO uh, on August uh, 13th, I believe, is the date. Um, leveling up your iOS development game. So, Excellent. Congratulations. Yeah. Right? Thank you. Yeah. I'll be speaking in Toronto. So yeah, I think I think the call for proposals is still open if people are interested. But yeah, we're going to have a Swift conference here in Toronto in the Great White North. Come and have some poutine and try some Tim Hortons. Don't try Tim Hortons. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah, come and check out Toronto in the summertime. All right, I guess that's it for the week. Yeah. So, hey, hum, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where would they look? I'm on Twitter as at David the Hair. And Mark, if people want to try and find you, Mark R at Snapsoft.com. That's with two P's, by the way. Someone that I talked to thought it was S M A P S O F T and couldn't get in touch with me. So, ah. there's two P's in there. Two P's. All right. And as I usually say, my name is Timitra T I M M I T R A on the Twitter machine is how to get a hold of me. And until next week, we'll say bye bye. 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 This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. 
If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash mtjc. You can find out details on how to help us out on the website, mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. Now stick around for the after show, and thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. How did that? Uh, how did that work? Did you just show up and they give you the finalized audio, or what? Yeah, so um, they had well, I, they had four uh, Sure SMB7 mics, like the one that I use. They're like five hundred dollars mics, right? And then mm-hmm. uh, the nice headphones and a, and a like you had your own. Each one had your own dial, so we could set the volume on our headphones. So you can you're each monitoring yourself and the conversation. And then it was basically four people facing each other, like sort of card like card table style style. And uh, then they had a technician use. Logic Pro, and they recorded right into Logic Pro. So they basically handed me a Logic Pro file on on a couple of USBs. They, of course, they provided the USBs. It's funny that as, as soon as I handed my USB, and they kind of looked at me like I had three heads. Um, that made perfect sense. Like, why would you put a stranger's USB into their equipment, right? Mm. Um, so yeah, so they handed me two USBs, and or I, I could have got four if I wanted, you know. And, uh, and then the way we went. So I basically came home and you know just uh, went through each of the tracks and edit. So it, it was mixed down with four individual tracks, and then one master one where it was just like you, I could have just taken the, the audio and just thrown it up published it as it were right but I just went through my regular editing process and you know just uh, which I normally do anyway right I normally work with the separate tracks and mix them down to one and then pub- and then uh, do the final edit with that one right I had the music and the, you know the, the stinger at the end and stuff like that right it was really really sweet the only thing about it was my only complaint about it is like you know when, when they said podcast studio I was expecting a soundproof studio like, like a radio studio right they, where you would you know do radio shows and stuff right but it was just at the end of the conference hall, and they just had a single partition between us and, and the rest. So while you couldn't pick up, like, people playing, you know, that strike game, spike strike bowl game that they were playing, mm-hmm. you know, people were yelling and screaming, stuff like that. You couldn't hear that because we were that far away, but you could hear, like, people opening and closing the door to the hotel because it was right right beside the Marriott entrance. So if you listen to it, you know how there's a lot of bangs and stuff in the background. That was that was because of the uh, opening and closing of the door. So, yeah, but uh, it was cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was different last year. They actually had uh, partitioned rooms last year. Oh, really? Kind of on the other mm. side. Uh, down. So if you remember, Tim, when we when you walked down the, the main hallway and took a left to get to where this was. Right, yeah. If you took a right last year, uh, down where they had some of the... Some the executive the ballroom and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, it was down in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that would have made so more sense. And it was funny because maybe they didn't get enough people going in and, and booking it, and they decided that was just too much. But Because uh, it, it was really annoying for me, because I went on Monday, and I, I would spoke to some, they didn't have any answers for me so i went back on tuesday and uh the girl you know receiving people didn't know the details and then uh the next so i waited for the person to come out and they sort of said yeah we're fully booked until thursday right so come back thursday morning and i thought well that's kind of weird because they had media had already booked up all the time i'm like well so where was the, the sign up list right um anyway so i went back on thursday morning first thing and picked time i wanted to go see a friend of mine talk at 10 and so uh 
uh, so I picked 11 o'clock and, and then, then I started going, okay, now who's going to be on the show with me, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I had spoken to Alexis at, at, uh, the Ray Wunderlich dinner the night before, or a couple of nights before and said, Hey, would you be interested in giving me at least five minutes for, you know, I did the second episode where I interviewed people. Mm-hmm. I just pulled them aside and said, Hey, can I interview for you for a few minutes? And I had that little microphone, that road mic that I brought and I plugged it into my iPhone and just recorded people on the spot. Right. But, uh, so that's what I was planning to do with Alexis. But then when I said, Hey, are you free on, at 11 on uh, Thursday? He said, shit. He said, yes. And, and I had interviewed Ricky previously for the, for the sec, for the, what ended up being the second episode. Mm. And he's a huge fan. He's, he actually owns a, one of the, the MTJC lousy t-shirts. And, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he was, uh, he was very, pretty well, you know, covered, uh, what he'd seen. He had like taken notes and, and I sort of said, Hey, you know, if, if you want to come by and, you know, at that point I had nobody as a co-host, right. And I said, if you want to come by, at least, you know, maybe you and I can have a chat on there or whatever. And so it ended up being with the four of us, which is the same format we normally do. So it was Mark. Mark had come mm-hmm. um, on a teammate's ticket. And uh, then, yeah, so Alexis was there and, and Ricky. And that, that created the cor- the, for- the quorum for the uh, special live from the podcast studio WWDC episode. We could have we could have actually dialed you in too, t- uh, Jaime, because they did have a, they had the facility to, to have somebody on a FaceTime call as well. You can plug your, uh, like there was a fifth track where you could plug in an iOS, iOS device, right? Neat. Too, too bad the timing didn't didn't work out for me. I had one of those, one of those meetings you you hope it gets canceled yeah. and it of course it doesn't when i when i needed to but yeah um, the, who, who the took way. the picture of you guys so for those of you who haven't seen go to uh mtjc.fireside.fm and you'll see the live from the wwdc 2019 podcast studio uh what do we call yeah. this uh, cover art album art uh album, cover art yeah, yeah yeah so so i um there's two there was a couple of shots actually so um i asked the girl to uh the girl that was working this the um the uh sure i should say the lady working the the console to take our picture while we were just talking about we were explaining to alexis and and ricky how how the show rolls and what we do stuff like that and um so what and you know alexis and i were gesturing like madly with our hands to try and get some sort of posable shot right (laughs) and then uh she took a couple of shots and then during the recording there was another engineer that showed up so i i asked him to i gestured to him with my hands to take a picture so i handed my phone and he he took a couple more pictures but it turned out that the lady who took the first bunch of shots had that the shot that i ended up using which you could sort of see you know mark and myself uh in a in a sort of better light, right? So I had to go in and tweak it with the photo app to make it, you know, brighter and stuff like that. But yeah, that's who took it. It's a nice so, photo. And you yeah. guys have the the Beats headphones. I notice. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Apple brand. Yeah, and, the, and the, like you can see the four SMB uh, SMB seven uh, microphones too. So which I am speaking to you on right now. Yeah, pretty. I mean, it's good, pretty good setup from that point of view. I mean, you know, like uh, they spare no expense. You know, they had good good. They had a, I think it was an iMac Pro that they were working with uh, for the recording or for the the, the Logic Pro, right? Yeah. It's pretty cool. Really, really, you know, really good. I mean, and do you know what? I, I said, I asked the girl, I said, like, you know, what about all the, the ambient noise and stuff? I said, well, will you pick that stuff up? And she said, well, they kind of wanted, people kind of wanted that live on the air feel, right? So mm-hmm. there, was, there was a lot of leaking from the mic. So I had to go in and I had to go and carefully separate each each person's voice and mute the other guys when they weren't talking and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it turned, I think it turned out pretty good. I left, I had to leave some of the noise in, you know, because it, uh, they banged when you guys were talking kind of thing, right? There were no planes flying over. Overhead or ice cream machines, though. I mean, just, you know, unlike our, our <laughs> or, or show. air conditioners in the background, or 
dogs barking. <laughs> her dogs barking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was. I, I listened to actually to both of, of those episodes. Um, there was a good yeah. episode. I actually think it rolled pretty pretty smoothly. I'm completely unfamiliar if mm-hmm. either Alexis or Ricky are on other podcasts because they certainly seem they're to. They're not. They're not. Oh, they're they're definitely naturals then. Because that's pretty. Yeah. Un- well, I mean, Ricky Ricky's got him. He's that was his audition. He's basically. He's, we're going to talk to him about his his setup at home. But yeah, he's he's definitely uh, definitely going to be a fill in guest. I think when you guys are unavailable or me. Yeah, they they were both great actually. They both did really well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for long time yeah. listeners of the show, go back to episode. Uh, I don't know if we started with one or zero. Go back to like episode one or zero. Or heaven help us if we ever published God. the um, the mic test the compendium that we did yeah. early on to see how things work. It's 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 a very different show. Yeah, I don't think uh, I, I don't think I kept the mic the mic tests. I think I, I think I pitched them recently, but yeah, yeah. No, I, the first the first show was pretty 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 rough. But you know, it's amazing how many people listen to it. It's, I think it's got like several thousand listens already, right? On that first episode, surprisingly, people are people are completionists. I never would have thought that people would go back to episode one and start from the from the beginning. And you know, that's like five years ago now, as of like uh, next month, right? We got like four more episodes to go till our anniversary, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, Action Comics number one is worth a lot of money. So. <laughs> yeah, I suppose MTJC number one, and it wasn't even called MTJC back then. It was it was still called the it was an untitled podcast, if I remember correctly. Sorry, it was the Um Untitled Um con- podcast. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and actually, the the name of the folder here. Let me let me look at the folder on my Mac because it's still. I never changed the name of the folder. It's still the AJTM podcast on my mm-hmm. on my Mac here. Yeah, prior so, prior to, to settling on a name and a format, and just hang on to that hard drive, Tim. Don't yeah. you know they might they might put it up in, it. in a glass case in a museum at some point. Sure, sure. Well, it's actually this 13 inch Mac Pro has been the the or sorry 13 inch MacBook Air has been the has been the main console for this. This show all this time. I occasionally, like I took the Ma- my Carol's eleven uh, inch MacBook Air to to the conference. I usually take that into the states when I go. That's substituted when I'm when I'm away from home. But uh, yeah, for like two hundred fifty episodes, have been at least mixed and on the MacBook Air. So yeah, it's gonna have to go in the Smithsonian one day, right? <laughs> or the Computer <laughs> History Museum in in uh, is it Mountain View? Where's Where's uh, Google? Uh, it's in Mountain View. Yeah, I still yeah, think we need another host whose first name starts with a C. A C. Why? Because then we have MTG's- Mark, oh. Tim, Jaime. And C. C. Wow. Yeah, that's a that's huh. a that's a thing I get asked a lot because people were like, "Oh, Mark, Tim, and Jaime, but who's the C?" I'm like, "Well, it's actually <laughs> more than just code if you look at the uh, the other okay. initials." But it, it would be it would be better if we did have a, a C. Or it's, it could be generic. It's Mark, Tim, Jaime, and co-host or some host. It should be some host, right? Get it? No, some host. Just, yeah, just five point one. Some host. someone who complies to the host protocol. It's combine. Combine. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay, let's let's settle this argument. I think it's combine, right? And I've been I've saying combine, but I've heard other people I say tr- combine, so I, I don't yeah, know. I, combine is a harvester, like you know, forest uh, uh, farm equipment. Yeah. Don't you guys have combines in the states? Yeah, yeah, we do. But right. when you say combine, I think of like the NFL combine, where all of the you know people coming out of college who want to go into the draft, they go and they do physical tests, right? How fast can you run? How much weight can you bench press? That sort of thing. But why I, is that not combine? So I don't know why they pronounce it as combine other than perhaps the farm implement that you you know it's kind of farm you know farm system it's a very common term in in sports but to be honest i i don't know like uh, i haven't gotten around to watching the specific sessions but i really don't remember how pretty sure it was combined i was in those sessions like i i I personally prefer combine like oh it combines you know combines your data and not combine like harvesting yeah i think i I think i would have noticed if they were calling it combine yeah yeah but a lot of people are calling it combine yeah like you know so there's, there's a big, there's argu- 
arguments and debates on uh, on Twitter. There's a, there actually was a poll where somebody had put, you know, capital C-O-M bind or capital or lowercase C-O-M, you know, B-I-N-E uppercase, right? I don't know. It's, it's tabs versus spaces all over again. Here we go. Mm, yeah. Java, Java. <laughs> all right. Uh, sorry, my, my Macs are all misbehaving. I'm in the process of reformatting. I finally got 13, uh, iOS 13. Sorry, iPad OS running on my. Is it iPad OS 1 or iPad, iPad OS 13 on my uh, my iOS, my iPad today? So did I just miss it or were there no no actual sessions on iPad OS at WBC? Uh, well, what, what's, what possible? Oh, you mean, would, I sort of guess it would be just like a how to kind of thing, right? So, yeah, or more details on really what it is. What well, it's funny. I've, I've been having, I've been having some conversations with people about um well actually let's talk about this on the show but i'm having some conversations with people about other sessions that, that we should have paid attention to <laughs> sorry i lost my, my god you know with the magic of editing this can be part of the show and not the pre-show yeah that's right. true that's true i keep forgetting that part, sorry yeah. about that <laughs> yeah Tim, did you, did you ever find your jacket? No, no. Yeah, true story. I lost my jacket on the way out of WWDC. I had had it with me, and I stopped at the art gallery, and I checked my bag, and then I came back out. I think I still had it with me when I was coming out of there. I met a gentleman who was looking for a T-shirt for his son, and I happened to have bought a second or an extra WWDC T-shirt. And uh, so I opened up my suitcase. I went into the Fairmont Hotel, opened up my suitcase, you know, fished around, found this, the extra one that I had because I everything packed in different places, right? And, uh, yeah. Yeah, and then when I packed up my stuff and left, I, I realized I didn't have my jacket. And I never thought to go back into the Fairmount and look, but duh. <laughs> I went back to the gallery. Do you think the guy uh, was uh, part of a scam? Or he I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Could be. I did tell him the stuff was worth something, right? So who knows? Mm. Mind you, I haven't seen a, a, a two extra large show up with an orange liner show up on eBay yet. So mm. wouldn't you think that would be where it would go? Maybe. <laughs> gotta, gotta lay low while let, let the heat go down. Yeah. The heat, yeah. So if anybody uh, found a uh, WWC jacket with a uh, red liner. Uh, let me know. Sorry, orange liner. I'm just looking at a red one on eBay. <laughs> I see one. Yeah, I see. I see one male size medium black with orange. WWDC 2019 jacket 2XO red red with black with Xcode sticker. Oh, I got a Swift UI sticker from. I got a whole bag of, of pins and stickers from uh, from the show. Yeah. What were the from, color options? Because I had said red. There, were, you were there wasn't options. You kind of got what they gave you, right? Well, then what were the variants then? So there was a red one, which was super popular. There was a black one. There was a blue one, orange one. I think it was somebody said there was a pinkish one, but I don't think there. I think it's the red one. And if you look at if you look at it closely, it's like all the little icons that were in the mind the mind that's being blown up, all mm-hmm. sort of thrown together. Yeah, if you look at if you look at the, there's one um, with a red liner, and they've got one with it turned inside out, and you can see all the little characters in there. They're interesting they were i mean they weren't they were bomber style like uh, uh but yeah they weren't super warm but they were they were good for the bash because the bash was pretty pretty cold and windy bash was cool it was weezer right yeah can't tell anybody that this stuff is worth something tim oh by the way <laughs> this is a co- gonna be a collector's item yeah yeah oh you know he's looking for a shirt for his kid and you know i probably should have hung on to the shirt too but what are you gonna do trying to help a guy out that's what i get for being a nice guy right nice guys finished last i'll be i'll be holding the door when you guys are all getting to the next place in life <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, drive 
drive my limousine when I'm on the cover of the Rolling Stone. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Wild. Did you guys see the uh, James Dempsey post about, about the uh, maker auto thing? As God is my witness, I'll never type translates auto resizing mask into constraints again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did see that. I'll throw that in the notes. Pretty funny. I still have all my pins. I guess those will be worth something someday, right? Just don't tell anybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Put them in a safe deposit box. Yeah. Just don't hand them to the guy in the in the hotel. And say, here, hold on to these for a minute while I rummage around in my luggage and not don't pay attention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's totally what happens. Yeah. People are jerks. Yeah, they are, unfortunately. Well, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I could have just could have just fallen behind the chair and, and somebody found it. I, I did call the hotel and asked if they had lost and found. Mm. But uh, nothing. 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 Anyway, I, got, I already bought myself a, a jean jacket, though. Not the crushed. Jean jacket? A WWC jean jacket? No, no, no. I bought one similar to the one they were giving away last last year. Yeah. Right? So not black, a regular blue one. Mm. Yeah, but I got the pirate pin. I got, you know... I got the women in coding pins. Those are cool. How'd you get that one? I went to the women in breakfast. Women at WWC breakfast. Oh, were you allowed to? I guess you were allowed. Yeah, to. I'm a mentor. Sure, why not? Mm-hmm. I'm an ally. Is what you call call yourself mm-hmm. if you support women in code. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, how could they say they're inclusive and then not let men come? Yeah, true. Right. So, yeah, it's a tricky thing, and I really had to think about it last year when I went to um, We Rise Tech, which is largely for you know uh, women and, and progressing and thing. And I definitely fell under the ally mm-hmm. side, but I was kind of thinking like well kind of don't want to take away an opportunity from somebody mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and so it's a very careful balance i think well that's what happened with with so i had a ticket for the ladies like the wwc one was open to anybody who wanted to come right but the, there was a ladies uh dinner just before the bash and uh i got it they sent out an email saying that there was like a waiting list of 100 people and if you didn't want to go so i surrendered my ticket like basically sort of yeah i put my ticket back into the pool so somebody else could go right in that case so i was able to give back to the community community if you will <laughs> that's what an ally does right honey hopefully <laughs> this uh this swift to conference this is the inaugural edition right yep sure is what uh what part of toronto is that like two minute walk away from your place sort of thing that you'll be very convenient or is it like on the opposite side of town and, no no oh, it's, I gotta it's, go uh, early? well you know what i don't know you know it's right downtown yeah it's right downtown there you can see all the pins, my pin, my pin collection. Just don't come into my house and steal them. Lower <laughs> you. Oh, do they give you the flag based on the country you're from? Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. So the AR one I got for for playing the game, right? And I had um, I had three of the women in code ones, but uh, I traded. See the the pin collection with the Tim Cook one. Mm-hmm. I traded uh, women in coding for for that plus the the Swift UI sticker. And there's a James Dempsey to Breakpoint Breakpoint there. And there's a couple. There's an owl slopes. I see. Oh yeah, yeah. Poor poor. App camp for girls there. Yeah, yeah. I met I met uh, parrots. He gave me a gave me a slopes one. I gave him an MTJC and in return, I also have an Xcode one at the very top there. You can't really see it that well. Yeah, I see the I see the hammer. Yeah, and then I met uh, 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 is it NS Break? Um, So Brent Simmons was in the band, and and the guy who does this NS Brief maybe what's the purple one beside the. Got his name now. Hmm. Bill oh, maybe Sherman? it's NS Screencast. Bill Sherman, yeah, Screencast. Bill Sherman is that his name? Somebody like that. Looking at uh, NS Screencast. So how, well, it's definitely how do you end up with two of the the baseline packet? You know, the packet of. That's what I said. I traded. I traded a women encoding for the one with Tim Cook on it. Oh, oh. Okay. The one I got was the one, the fire and the and the alien, right? I see. Okay. A lot of people wanted the skull with the the mind exploding. Hmm. That's why I asked for the T-shirt. Oh, did you? 
Mm-hmm. Newsfeed is telling me that the Blues won. Is that right? Yeah. They did? Yeah, they won just as the podcast was starting. I oh, that sucks. A little too sad to say anything about it. Spoilers yeah. for your, your DVR, I guess I apologize. but Well, by the time mm. anybody hears this, it'll be old news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, that was game... Sorry, I'm not into hockey until 2021, so bear with me. This is game seven? This is the final game of the Stanley Cup. Yeah, the Blues won the Stanley Cup. Oh, wow. Well. That sucks. Tim, how, mm. how are people feeling for Toronto? Well, I'll tell you how I'm feeling for Toronto. Um, I don't know. Did you hear that there was a call that didn't get made? Apparently, the NBA has admitted that there was a, some, there should have been a two point throw for the I've forgotten the big guy's name. Um, he got he got uh, he got assaulted on the court. No, he got fouled. Um, but yeah, he was supposed to with the forty seconds left. He was supposed to have uh, two free throws, but uh, they missed the call. I don't, I, do they review calls in basketball now? Do you know? Mm, they will review stuff, but I don't know once the final call is made that they like review that. Yeah, they like, can't go back the and play. Like, they can't go back and play like the last 40, 40 seconds of the game. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah, that, yeah. So that's a shame. They lost by one point. Um, and then, yeah, so uh, I, they just better win on Sunday in, you know, game six, right? Because I can tell you, it's a Toronto tradition that if they go to seven games, I'm telling you right now, as God is my witness, as Trump got elected, they will lose game seven. Well, uh, that's Kevin Durant out, they've got a pretty good shot now. That's true. I mean, like, even consider he was only, well, was he in other games? Because he was, he was only in this game, right? Wasn't he? I got the impression he, he was that he out was out for a couple games. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he still got ten points. I mean, so technically, he did help the the team win, right? Sure. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, because I mean, that the the Raptors were back. I don't know if they really get back on their heels though, because they've been down ten points in in all pretty much all the games, right? That I've watched anyway. So I'm hoping they, I'm hoping they do it. You know, not just uh, not just as a bandwagon jumper, which is what I am. So one of my one of my buddies at work said, "Hey, oh, the the championship trophies in." In uh, down at the Scotiabank Arena, we can go down and have our picture taken with him. I'm like, why would I want to do that? He goes, I thought you were a big Raptors fan. I'm like, no, no, I just wear a red shirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, once the, the NBA finals are over, I'll be switching my full attention over to the Women's World Cup. Mm, that soccer? Which, yeah, I don't know if, if you all saw the USA versus Thailand. Mm-hmm. It, it was amazing. Like, I've never, there's literally never been a game like that. Did the US win? 13 nothing. Oh, you got to be kidding me. That's what I'm not kidding. The score, go go right? search online. There, You can see recaps of all the goals and it takes a couple minutes with just the goals yeah they were saying they were i heard something something about uh running up the score and you know, like whether that was a good thing to do or not right well i mean there's maybe the sportsmanship angle that people are coming but from a practical mm-hmm. angle it is now impossible for them to lose the goal differential tiebreaker oh really so, i mean can any other team come no come that's, un- with that's like unheard a, a 13 of in point soccer. differential that's unheard of in soccer soccer's like two nothing is a is a big you know is, is running away with the score you know it's like hockey. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Don't get don't get Harmy started on goaltending. Um but yeah, the uh <laughs> the um the Canadians are playing I think today or tomorrow too. They got a pretty good chance. I don't know how they did today with against Cameroon yesterday, today, something like that. So is the American women's team like a big contender in women's soccer? Do you know? Historically pretty good um, mm-hmm. ever since the very first. I mean, th- there really haven't been that many. Here here are your, your champions over the last, since 1991. United States, Norway, mm-hmm. United States, Germany, Germany, Japan over the United States, mm-hmm. United States. So we're we're really good when it comes to this. So we're, uh, we definitely got high expectations, um, but uh, you never know. That's why they play the games. Hopefully, hopefully things work out. 
out for, for the Americans. You know, I'm certainly rooting for him. Mm-hmm. Um, they obviously can't go, you know, 13 and nothing in every game. There's going to be more difficult games for sure. But um, well, Canada must have won. They're in Group E. They got three. Netherlands has three. And um, New Zealand and Cameroon has zero. So I would assume that means Canada won and Netherlands won. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. I don't know how many games they've played so far. Where's the USA? Everybody should only have one because they're still doing the opening games for some of these. Hmm. So why would they have three points? Is it, it's not goals, right? No, you get three points for a victory, one point for a draw, zero points for a loss. Oh, okay. It's like the goalie, the old uh, goalie rule before they had shootouts. Because Germany's got six. Wait, Germany's played twice? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe they've, okay, so maybe they've just gone to the first round for everybody. Or the first well, Germany uh, and France have six, round, right? And then, uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, so they played on Thursday. Sorry, they played Wednesday. Today's Thursday. Oh, yeah, it looks like a handful of teams. Like France has a couple wins. Mm-hmm. Germany a couple wins. Not everybody has had their... Oh, France played on the first day on the 7th. Yeah, not everybody's had their second game. Like, USA only has one game. Mm-hmm. See, France beat Korea or nothing. That's a runaway. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was it was just wild. Like, I don't understand why the goalkeeper stayed the same. Like, you would think that would just destroy you no. internally. And then now that poor oh, person is forever in the record books as the most goals given up in a single game. Um, They've never seen me play soccer goaltender. <laughs> the thing I will say that I'm... I'm play huh? <laughs> they should get a walrus to play goaltender. <laughs> no, they'd have to get a blue whale to pay yeah, soccer. Yeah, for a soccer. Right? You need to cover, cover up that amount. <laughs> yeah, that, that's you know conceptually sound, but I think the feasibility is not, not quite that great. But yeah. I will say, what is more feasible is I am shocked just given like it's like a bloodbath out there. They do not call they do not referee the, the games in the women's game the same way they do the men's the men's you don't even touch a person you just swing in their direction the guy falls down he's yeah. never going to walk again and yeah. his children will mourn his death yeah um and they call you know easy stuff here they just they're getting bloody they're getting kicked in the face they get pushed down there's no no fouls you know no holds barred sort of thing and yeah. you would think there would be like i would do they're enterprising <laughs> bill belichick equivalent who's like my players are going to be bigger and they're just going to shove over everybody i'm going to mm-hmm. force the referees to call it every time mm-hmm. you know just just work work within the the boundaries of what they're giving you hmm. i'm going to win the next 10 world cups that way i mean it's yeah. a winning strategy how could you lose yeah yeah interesting all right well i guess we'll call it a night all right Alrighty. talk to you later okay talk to you guys later all right okay, bye bye planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.